Hi, and welcome to our end-of-the-year panel on Transit Unplugged. I'm Paul Comfort, your host, and it's exciting to be with you today with some of our regular contributors who are going to share with you what we think about what's happening in trends in the new year. Tris? And I'm Tris Hussey, the producer. Yeah, we're recording this early in December, playing this at the end of the year. This is going to be literally the last show of 2021. That's right. And it's been a big year for us, Tris. Um, and I want to acknowledge you coming on board this year as producer of the show. You've really helped improve the sound quality and the professionalism of the show. Thank you for that. Thanks. And when we were talking about a way, you're welcome. We were talking about a way to kind of do a nice wrap up. This was your idea. You said, why don't we get some of our regular contributors together and talk about what are the trends? What have we learned for from 2021? And what are we looking forward to in 2022? So I'm excited to hear what everybody has to say. Oh, me too. And you know, we asked this question on LinkedIn. And the last time I checked, the the two things were that were like up there is like microtransit and fairing. Those those were the two big topics that people said, which is good because I, I stacked the deck, honestly. Yeah. I, I made sure the quiz questions would match what the topics we were talking about. But no, that's, what that's, people, that's what that's what people that's what people are interested in. Microtransit and EV and fairing. Those yeah, are those are the big hot things. Topics, you're right. And to, and to talk about that, as our guest today, we have Alea Carey, who is a communications consultant. Those of you who are regular listeners to the podcast will recognize her voice. She uh, is has been on for well over a year now, maybe two years, Alea. Thanks for being with us. Happy to be here, as always. And then uh, Mike Bismeyer, who reached out to me a couple years ago on one of those on-site trips I was doing to Western Canada when I always put out on LinkedIn, hey, I'm coming to town if you want to have coffee. And he took me seriously and we became good buddies. He's regional sales uh, director for Proterra. And uh, Mike, you're talking to us on the road again today, right? Yeah. And thanks for having me again, Paul. And yeah, still the best cup of coffee I've had in the last two years was uh, that meeting we had. So uh, it was great. Great. Uh, great to be here today. And yeah, I'm, I'm uh, remote today in uh, Ontario, the life of the traveling salesman, as we all do. But uh, great to be with you. Well, yeah. And then also we've got with us uh, my new buddy this year, Mike Ducart, who's director of sales for TripSpark. Mike's been helping me line up uh, a lot of our guests uh, for some of the mid-sized transit agencies. And a couple of them we did right at your booth there at APTA. Mike, thanks for being with us. Yeah, no, thanks for having me, Paul. We had uh, we had a good time, didn't we? And uh, joining my buddy Mike here, we we had a little bit of fun down there at APTA, joining him at uh, at the Proterra party. That was a a whirlwind. We I think we had a fifty five minute stint there. We had we both had dinners to get to, but uh, nonetheless, it was great hospitality, Mike. Yeah, Mike, I'm telling you, that party you guys threw at APTA was was the premier party that I got to go to. So phenomenal. Well, I appreciate that. And I'll make sure we pass that on to our, our marketing team because I can take no responsibility for that. It's it's all on them. As we all know, great marketing teams typically uh, make us all shine. So I'm glad you guys enjoyed it. It was a great time. It's just great to be in front of people again, for sure. Yeah, it was, it was fun to sing karaoke with a live band there. I mean, that was amazing. You know, well, I, I knew was, when I saw the itinerary that we would probably have Paul Comfort on stage just based on the itinerary. <laughs> Tris? Okay, so now before we get going, Paul, when we speaking of APTA, we had the the five leading women in transit in North America, and you summed up what you were hearing from them as the big trend. So let's listen to that clip, and uh, then we'll it, it happens to sink in with a lot of things we're talking about. So what are the themes you've heard here? Micro transit, uh, zero emission buses, equity and inclusion. And people are still rebooting their bus routes, 
And so now, because the, um, the work patterns are changing, right? A lot of us have been working from home, and now we're not coming back five days a week. It's going to be hybrid. So the routes and how we're serving people are changing definitely. The fairing models are changing, right? Because you don't want to just sell passes for five days a week. You want to be able to sell passes for maybe three days a week and do fair capping, all that kind of stuff. That's what's happening right now. People are changing their fixed route bus routes to model what the current patterns are. We don't have the peak of the peak in the AM and PM anymore. Okay, well, that was great. Gee, those topics sound familiar. It was it was great. It was great having five of the most powerful women in transit there with us. And hopefully the folks who listen to the podcast, if you haven't heard that one, you should go back and listen to that. And that'll also be the centerpiece for our third episode of Transit Unplugged TV, uh, which is coming up. You'll, you'll be hearing about it this month of December. You may have already heard about it. We have one episode coming about uh, focused on Las Vegas for December. And then in January, another one. And then the third one will be uh, these these five most powerful women and some other great interviews we did that Mike and I did while we were down uh, at the APTA Expo. Why don't we uh, kick it off with Alea? What, Alea, what, what's your hot topic? Well, you know, normally I would be talking about communications and marketing, right? But uh, fair capping, in my opinion, is such a big trend that I simply can't ignore it. And later we can talk about how we want to market it and how we want to communicate it. But right now, fair capping. So what is fair capping? Uh, we all know that the people who can least afford to ride transportation options are the heaviest users of our systems, and they also are very often the people who get the least value out of our fare systems. Um, how does this work? I mean, I know I know when I was broke and riding transit, I didn't have sixty dollars I could scratch together at the beginning of the month, and so I scratched together a dollar fifty or whatever it was, and I rode the bus that day and the next day I figured out how to ride the, ride the bus the next day. And before you know it, at the end of the month, instead of spending that $60, I'd spent $80, maybe even $100 because I'd used, I'd, I'd been riding that many times. So how do we prevent that problem? Fair capping is a really good um, and effective solution for that. And fair capping means that when somebody has, um, uh, spent as much as they would have spent on a pass, let's just call it in this instance, a monthly pass, then they ride transit free for the rest of the month uh, as if they had already bought a pass. So they're basically paying as they go, which they would normally do anyway in, the, in, in their worst method of doing it, but they get the reward of free transit like everybody gets um, who, who has bought a pass once they've passed that price threshold. So Selena, um, Selena Barlow of Transit Marketing, she's done a lot of research and turned me on to a lot of uh, stuff. And I'm very grateful for her help. And she's pointed out that it's pretty easy to implement. You know, that if the system is already in place and you're already a customer of a technology provider like that, you could turn a switch. And really, basically, with the permission of your board, you could conceivably had fair, have fair capping working for you um, right away, just like overnight. Um, so the uh, you know who's using it is well, well I, the question like it, it sounds great because uh, um, Julie Tim of of Richmond talked about this yeah. I think transit virtual thing transit last year mm-hmm. same idea you, people who can least afford it pay the most but I guess that it requires that people you're going to have to roll out like a fare card like something like the compass card we have yep. in, in BC and, and and similar places to yep. keep track of that because if you pay cash there's no way to know Correct. right. 
Correct. And, but yep. that has questions for the unbanked, doesn't it? It definitely has questions for the unbanked. And then we have to reach for larger technology solutions for the unbanked, right? And how, how do we help how do we help them? So yes, in order uh, to have the current fair capping systems, what we need is some kind of smart interaction. And that might be a smart fair card, or it might be something that you have on your on your smartphone, right? To be able to be able to do it, so it'd be interesting to hear, um, you know, obvious technology and in innovation leaders who are implementing it. For example, uh, Transport for London um, and TriMet uh, here in the states, I believe, is understood to be the first person who implemented um, uh, fare capping. I know that they would have a lot of experience to share uh, here in the Bay Area, uh, Vallejo and Benicia. Uh, Riders have access to fare capping, as do people in Monterey and Salinas working with Carl uh, Sidoric there. So I, I feel like we're on the cusp of a moment. And the thing you bring up, Tris, of having to, um, what do we do about the unbanked and what do we do about people who don't have access to digital assets like a fare card, like a smart card or a, smart or a smartphone, I bet we're going to be rolling into problem solving for those, for those riders because we're really just standing right on the cusp of um, fare capping as a major trend, getting them, um, getting them uh, set up this year. I think that we're going to see a lot of adoption in 2022. What a great trend! I, I think you're you're dead on there. That's a that's a really good uh, a good trend we're coming into. And for some reason, I've got a, a sneaking suspicion that Mike Bismar is going to be talking about a great trend of zero emission buses. Is that right, Mike? <laughs> that is that is right. Uh, it's an exciting time for sure. Uh, and before I get going, first and foremost, uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't say congratulations to an exciting year for you, Paul. Uh, the Transit Unplugged team, uh, all the announced changes and the momentum you continue to gain. Uh, and a big thanks to Tris, who, as you said, has come aboard. Uh, he's really been uh, top-notch to deal with. Uh, and the Trapeze and Vontas teams for allowing you to continue to bring us amazing uh, content and guests. You know, it's the type of podcast you can miss uh, a couple, uh, which, we, you know, we wouldn't recommend. But you can miss a couple and uh, you can jump right back in and you learn something every time. I often talk about uh, mentorship and leadership in this industry. And there's no better place to hear from the best mentors and leaders than than your uh, Transit Unplugged podcast. So so thanks for continuing to do what you do. And uh, to Alea and Mike, our other guests today, best of the season to you and, and your family. Um, looking forward to uh, to chatting here. So always an honor. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll talk a bit about the zero emission uh, excitement for sure. Um, you know, uh, I would say that it's probably the time to be talking about zero emissions. It's, it's the time to be in that uh, space. Um, from the funding uh, from the federal level on both sides of the border, um, you know, it's, it's fully supported by the governments that are in place, uh, from the state, provincial, and regional levels. You're seeing all sorts of endorsements. Uh, many agencies uh, already have their transition plans in, in place uh, and, and regional uh, and, and committed and supported goals as well, which is really exciting. And we're in the development phase of that, right? So um, we're seeing um, um, multiple um, zero emission committees throughout the industry with our peers, uh, sharing best practices and real-time learnings, which is also very exciting. And then, you know, APTA was a was a real-time firsthand uh, look at the excitement because the zero emissions uh, sessions were packed. Uh, and, you know, you could not walk past the booth without seeing a um, zero emissions uh, option. Uh, and, yeah. you know, it was very different from shows in the past where you'd have to go find the electric vehicle. That was not the case uh, this time. So so that's that's uh, what's exciting. Um, you know, 
I think it's happening all over the world too, right, Mike? I mean, it, it is like London, the mayor, and other places. They're all moving toward zero emission buses. They are. You know, I think a, f- a few years ago, the story you told when you walked into a transit agency was was you know a, a large part of the pitch was was explaining why for the propulsion. Now it's how do we do it, uh, which is a much much more interesting and, and more exciting conversation to have. You know, and, and there are some key important factors no matter what propulsion system you're choosing. Um, in, in that zero emission space, right? I mean, you, you want to choose the right partner, um, but you got to properly plan for the transition. And some of those key things, uh, I would say right at the top, one of the hot topics under that uh, ZEV movement is, is workforce development and upskilling of your of your workforce, you know, planning for that organizational organizational uh, change uh, management, you know, making sure you have internal champions right from the get-go, engage the entire team, right? Uh, it's something that uh, you want to champion and be successful. Um, it, it is a journey, right? Uh, definitely um, utility partnerships is another key thing that all agencies are probably having. You know, I always find it amazing how transit pivots for sure. And, and now they're fully engaged. Uh, uh, agencies that are going zero emissions are engaged with their with their local utilities. They're having to have these conversations, understanding the needs, the timings of scaling these projects and, and what upgrades are needed at the site, construction projects that sort of align with it. Um, so those are some of the important keys. And then I'd say the, the last uh, item I'd say on this is uh, fleet modeling. It's it's a key. So understanding data, which, you know, you guys are in that space as well. Um, it directly aligns with the utility conversations and the, and the overall plan for for what you're doing. Right. You know, um, and even uh, our understanding is the upcoming uh, loan grant and, and the, the extra money that's there. But transition plans are part of that. It's one of the boxes you got to check. You got to have one. So, you know, right sizing your fleet is key. And, that you know, understanding the routes, the vehicle types, the charging strategy on route and depot overhead, et cetera. And, and I mean, I know I'm talking, uh, preaching to the choir for many people that are going down this path already. But for those that aren't, um, you know, your peers are doing a lot of that work. So reach out to your peers. Uh, you know, and the bus is the easy part, right? I mean, in the transit space, people have ordered buses for years. Um, but there's a lot of other thought process that goes into this, but it is definitely um, an exciting uh, time. And, you know, not just in transit and other verticals we look around, right. You know, uh, from public works to just, uh, yeah. you know, local utility trucks, school and buses. trucks, school buses. Yep. I mean, it's, yeah. it's everywhere. Right. So yeah. uh, it is, it is great. There's momentum in all vehicle types, class sizes. Uh, and again, um, sustainability plans from, from all sorts of verticals. So uh, yeah, it's definitely an exciting time. So I Very appreciate good. being here and be able to talk about it. Happy to help anybody. Uh, and I'd like to just end and say, you know, you've had me on the podcast for a couple of years as well, Paul. It's, it's been an honor to be there. And, you know, I typically do the, the Mike's Kindest Minute. So I just want to say, everyone, enjoy the holidays. Continue being kind. Uh, take time out to do something special for someone that's not as fortunate as you through the holidays. Uh, you know, that opportunity will will be there. So uh, yep. thanks as always. And uh, yeah, zero emissions is, is where we are. One of the reasons why I really uh, wanted to have you on the podcast from the beginning, Mike, was your emphasis on that area. And during the peak of the pandemic, there was so much talk about, um, you know, the impact it was having on people personally uh, and, and you know, the, the lack of kindness that was shown in a lot of places. And I just read an article today on LinkedIn that said that one of the long-term impacts of COVID is going to be mental health issues yeah, that absolutely. people have coming out of this, having kind of been quarantined and locked in and not been able to interact with others. So that's why I think your message is so important for us to continue to share. I truly believe that the reason why we do what we do is to help people, right? Public transit is here to help people access all of life's opportunities. Uh, and as part of that kind of motivation, I think that we, it also comes from a heart of kindness, um, which is exemplified in what you do. And congratulations to you this year on winning that Mahatma Gandhi Award there in Canada uh, for the great work you've done across the country. 
No, well, I, I appreciate it. And I, and I agree, you know, transit is the great equalizer, right? It gives everybody opportunity and we're part of that, that piece. And it's a pleasure to be part of that. All right, Tris. Now, you've become our resident expert on so many topics, writing blog posts for our companies on various things. What do you think is the hottest trends? Oh, for me, you know, the, it's data. I, all, okay. And everyone has talked, is, is talked about this. And what I'm seeing and hearing across the board isn't just a reliance on data because we've always relied on it. It's the integration of data and it's using data in new, interesting and unique ways. That's, I, to me, that is really going to be the, the unifying hallmark of 2022. It's, it brings in fair capping, how we deal with EVs, how, um, Paul, I, I won't give away what you're talking about, but I know it relates to that too, because it, it all, moves together in how we plan transit systems. To me, that's the thing. It, it's very exciting from the, you know, from the data geeks, you know, side of the thing, how easy these tools have become. I looked at from our earlier discussion this year with uh, Tyler Vorak, who I'm talking to shortly, and uh, Terry Bills of Esri, we were relating our experiences, personal experiences with GIS and how hard they were not that long ago. And now anyone can use these data tools that's going to be the game changer. And that's what's going to help push transit forward, I really believe. Yeah. What do you think about like the role of machine learning and artificial intelligence, Tris, when it comes to taking that data and making it more usable for our transit agencies and our customers? That is going to be one of those aspects is going to be crucial, but we also have to be very cognizant and careful about how we apply these advanced tools mostly in that it's from the old computer saying you garbage in garbage out and if you don't have good data and you're not vetting your data and making sure that there aren't weird strange errors in there or in an unintentional biases say me parts you're missing a data set that's crucial machine learning can not be helpful it can it can be detrimental to to transit planning so that is to me we're doing great things in ai and machine learning I and mean, i think Every other show, someone's talked about that in their in that their agency is bringing in. But we have to be careful, and we have to make sure we watch what the results are and make sure they actually match with reality. I think that's yeah, really essential. Yeah, like the, the implicit bias that goes into all that. I know you talked about that before on one of the shows, but I was really I've been working this last week on editing uh, the the first episode of our Transit Unplugged TV uh, show, which is a, a video podcast. And David Swallow, the deputy CEO of Las Vegas RTC Regional Transportation Commission of Southern Nevada, pointed out that machine learning is being used even on their traffic signals. How that it is, you know, the, you're getting the the flow of the traffic, and the artificial intelligence is saying, okay. Uh, turn red now, and that allows for this group to grow. So, so you don't have to sit at a traffic light, you know, for a set amount of time anymore. In some of these intersections, it will respond not just to someone who's, you know, that yes, there's a car sitting there, but also it's learned at this time of day every day we need this much uh, flow through to make this intersection, you know, the the most efficient it can be, and then it's time to turn to the other. So, there's a lot of powerful ways to use that. But like. Elon Musk says, we have to be careful that they don't take over and we end up with a bunch of Terminators out there. So I don't know if he well, said that, it exactly that way, but that, that's a, that. that's a, that is exactly, it was, it was David Swallow, who I was thinking of when, with his example of, of intelligent traffic lighting systems, where it doesn't affect just one intersection that they, they it branches out and what's the bubble effect, you know, one, one light cycle delay, you know, how does that carry on? Okay. We have one more mic to hear from Mike Ducart. Um, yeah, I thought, I thought you yeah, thanks for having me. Well, listen, I'd be remiss this time of year if I didn't uh, 
you know, wish everybody a happy holiday season. I know it's, it, you know, Mike, you spoke about it, but you know, my urge would be go out and do something this holiday season for those less fortunate. Um, Paul, I'd like to congratulate you. I spent a little bit of time now this year with you guys and what an exciting time to celebrate and celebrate a new TV show as well. So saw your booth just rocking it after that was, uh, that was really fun to watch for sure. So congratulations to you guys, to Tris as well. Keep up the good work, guys. Listen, uh, I, I'll spin it a little bit different. I know, uh, you know, in the COVID times right now, we, we've all had to pivot a little bit. And I think, you know, at the forefront of anybody's reinvention has been um, really trying to figure out what's important. Uh, I, I think the transit space is really understood now that you know customers come first and it's like any industry we, we got to think like a customer act like a customer and I, I think a lot of the technologies a lot of the services are really geared towards that new generation and so you know I think one of the things we think about here a lot about at TripSpark is mobility as a service and really a subset of that is microtransit right so you know thinking about mass and what it does it's really you're thinking about what the customer's destination is rather than the mode of transportation right? How do we get the customer there? What's about the customer? You think about things like infotainment on buses, it's about the customer engagement. And so, you know, rewind a few years, we weren't talking about customers, we were talking about transit riders and just getting people from point A to point B. Now, really, you got to think about what's best for the customer, because ridership is down. You know, you've you've got uh, riders, you know, with, with apps at their fingertips. And so, you know, we as as public serving agencies, you know, you, you've got to be at the forefront of what people are thinking about. So, you know, the purpose really is to get the customer to where they need to go, forget about how that is. And so one of the things we think about at TripSpark is, is, you know, we need to th- rethink our partnerships. We need to focus on playing nice with competitors. We need to think about integration because at the end of the day, a customer is going to choose what's best for them, forgetting about w- what technology it is. And so I think everybody has a hand in making sure that that destination and that journey is what's best for the customer and not what's best for their organization. Bang on. Absolutely bang on. As a, as a long, lifelong transit, you know, prefer to use transit to go places, This I think it's a real sea change in how we're we're doing this. Paul, what, what's, what's your take on the whole microtransit mobility space? Yeah, that's a, it's a great segue, Mike. Thanks for that. Uh, and it's been fun hanging out with you this year. I hope we can do some more traveling in the new year together to visit clients and things. So for me, uh, it's funny. At the beginning of the year, Trish, you'll remember, I think our first guest of 2020 was Joshua Shank, who is the head of the Office of Extraordinary Innovation at LA Metro. And he talked about their microtransit pilot, which was at the time and still is, I think, the largest pilot in the country with 200 vehicles, et cetera. And he's proven prophetic. It really has become, I think, one of the hot trends. I mean, other hot trends are equity inclusion, zero emission buses, et cetera, and getting passengers back on the bus. And part of the way to do that, as Mike Ducard just said, is reorienting what we're doing. It's not just necessarily about commuter services anymore. It's really about changing the dynamic of what we provide as an industry. So traditionally, our industry has been focused on the nine to five commuter as the bulk of our riders. And then we add in some additional choice riders and then some midday people who have to get the social services. Well, the whole orientation changed during the, during the pandemic because we were in a lockdown mode and people could not ride. The nine to five commuters weren't allowed to ride. They had to work from home. A lot of them did in the big offices. And so now that they're coming back, transit agencies took that time to do what I call, you know, 
uh, a Simon Sinek moment. People who watch these TED Talks, et cetera, from him will realize, you know, his big question is, you know, what's the why about what you're doing? And I think our industry as a whole has decided that the why of what we're doing is really to provide access through mobility to all of life's opportunities for everyone in a region. And one of the ways to do that is through microtransit. Some of the great ways that agencies are using that now are first and last mile solutions, which was one of the things they thought about at the beginning, but they're still doing it. Uh, the guest that we interviewed uh, recently at the TripSpark booth from Sarasota, uh, Jane Grog, told us about that, that um, the two th- people are using microtransit there for two things, first and last mile solution, which means getting from your home to the bus stop, getting from your home to the train uh, station or the hub, uh, and then back home. So that you don't have to actually put your car on the road or you may not have a car. So it gets you from your house to there. And the other is getting you to direct destinations. The other thing she's done there and many other people have done across the country is they've found out that some of their fixed route bus routes don't have enough riders now to justify them making sense anymore. And so they're removing the bus routes from those routes, but they don't want to leave people kind of disenfranchised, you know, like Aunt Aunt Irma still needs to get to her bridge game on Tuesday nights. And so we're going to send out this microtransit vehicle and a shared ride solution to take them where they need to go, even though it doesn't make sense to run a 40-foot bus three miles down a road to pick up just Aunt Irma. Uh, the other way that folks are using it is uh, in uh, MJ Maynard, our friend from uh, RTC of Southern Nevada. They're expanding. They're using some of these new federal funds out of Washington, the ARPA funds, to actually go into areas where they've never had public transit before and to offer microtransit. Uh, it's basically you know, a shared ride system. It's not like a taxi ride where it's just you. It's picking up you plus the next person plus the next person. Your efficiency rating might be three passengers per hour, whereas a traditional paratransit route might be 1.2 in an urban area. And so you're getting more people on the vehicle. It's not just for people with disabilities. It's for everyone who can ride it. Our friend Robbie Mackinnon really was a leader in this in Kansas City when he kicked off Ride KC Freedom a few years ago, even before the pandemic. And now it's happening everywhere, Tris. So I think that's the trend that I think will continue into 2022. And we'll find new ways where it makes sense to use that. And the the last thing I want to mention is that some places are even finding out that it's actually cheaper, less costly to run a microtransit vehicle than obviously the fixed route bus that would have served that. And that was part of the concern, right? Oh, the trip per passenger is going to be, you know, the cost per passenger could be $20. Whereas on a fixed route bus, on average, it's only $1. Yeah, but you're not taking into consideration the fact that if you're running a fixed route bus down a route which doesn't have enough passengers, your cost per passenger can end up being $30 an hour. It could be 50% more than a than a microtransit trip. And the microtransit trip provides door-to-door service, or at least curb-to-curb, whereas the fixed route means people may have to walk three blocks. So So there is a place for that in our industry, and that's why so many agencies across the world now, but especially in Western Europe and in the United States and Canada, are piloting microtransit projects to see how does it fit into the overall um, portfolio of what a transit agency will offer. Oh, absolutely. I mean, MJ Maynard, can we come back to that that fabulous set of interviews? But she highlighted that when they brought, was it, you know, bringing transit to a transit desert, um, that... It was half the running microtransit cost a lot of money, but it was half the cost of running a fixed route in that area. And related to what Jane Grog was saying, then this understanding of people's travel patterns is so amazing. She said, you know, they I guess they divided their area into zones, and there were a lot of people who just moved within the little zone, which I think is a a change in the from the pandemic where people are becoming again neighborhood focused. I mean, you realize when you're locked down and you can't go very far. 
right? You could like you go to the store, you you want you're gonna like, oh gee, you know, there's a store right around the corner. I think that this all feeds into how our society is adapting and changing to this new mentality of, well, where do I need to go when and why? And microtransit fits in so well to that. Think about what microtransit addresses as well, right? Ridership over COVID has been down, right? Give new options to people. And, you know, that's what people want sometimes is just options. And that, that provides an alternative that allows ridership to increase. And, and we're starting to see it in the microtransit side. And I, I would agree that, uh, Tris, what you just said sort of parlays directly back to the the whole idea of data, right? So, I mean, how do you analyze it? what's going to make more sense? You analyze the data, right? And, and jumping back to what Mike and Paul reiterated on, I think, you know, the experience in front of the customer, when you talked about not making enemies and, and those sorts of things and playing nice in the sandbox, I think that, you know, in this new world, you have to be agnostic to the solution that you're selling, but wide open to the solution that they need as a customer. And I think that's the difference you have to have. It's the only way you're going to be successful. Um, you know, the customer experience, when I, when I ride a bus or a train with my son, he's 23, I just noticed like, even just if we're taking the train into a football game or a hockey game, I noticed that we, that customer ride is so different for both of us. I'm, I'm old school. I'm busy staring out the window, looking at all the things we're passing. He can tell me 23 things that were on the mode of transportation. He's looking at the infotainment screen. He's talking about the restaurant that they were advertising about. So, you know, it's a very different experience that he's seeing. And I think that um, this microtransit addresses that too, right? I think you customize that rider experience that's sort of uh, geographic centric. I think, uh, I think that's exciting too. And I think that's how you get the, the riders on board for sure. Yeah, and to Alea's point about fair, related to fair capping and you know equitable tra- equitable transit and, e- and easy access, I think microtransit opens up so many potential job opportunities to people and this and the new mentality of getting access to jobs, getting access to healthcare, and giving and giving people those options. Education. This is these are the things that the like, especially in the U.S. with the infrastructure, the bipartisan infrastructure bill that was passed. I believe is truly a once in a generation funding opportunity that will change the face of public transport in the US at least for another generation and I think it's it's going to be a watershed moment for all of us. Mm-hmm. Alea, do you have any closing thoughts? I was just thinking um, about uh, microtransit. I'm sitting here, um, you know, in Silicon Valley, and I got all sorts of microtransit options zipping by me as we're talking right now. <laughs> and and um, uh, you know, that's very exciting. But really, what I get very excited about is when we start to extend it, like into the Sarasota suburbs, and uh, you know, into these more, like James was talking about, and into these more, um, into these more, you know, area uh, transit desert. Like, what a great phrase that is, you know, and in, into these areas that haven't had it before and also speaking from the silicon valley um capital of silicon valley here in san francisco uh human in the loop is a phrase that we use when we talk about trying to balance the real human needs and human input in ai and machine learning environments and making sure that and you know that comes down to some real basic communication stuff like passenger surveys and making sure that you're talking to real people instead of just endlessly massaging data until it becomes way too abstract to have anything to do with real riders. And Tris, these are some of the hot topics that we're going to continue to cover in 2022. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we, I'm not going to, I'm not going to tip, you know, show, tip our hand too much, but we've got a great set of shows going up through February. And I know these topics are going to be, keep coming up and I want to, and, and, and the, 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 the three of you who aren't Paul and I hope to hear more and more of your, 
your insights and wisdom as we expand the voices in Transit Unplugged and start talking more and more about the changes. I think, you know, I think 2021 was amazing. I think we're going to look back this time next year and be like, wow, just wow, all the things that have happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think that's great. And I, if I could say one thing, I, I think as we if this is the year end show and 2021 was another uh, challenging year for transit. But I think we should tip our hat to uh, all those out there who continue to, you know, our frontline operators, those who make transportation a priority with passion. And uh, uh, that's why we're all here talking about it, because people still keep the wheels turning. And I'd like to thank every single person that's out there and, and that goes to work every day and continues to keep that regardless of the mode that we think it's going to be. Uh, it's people that make it work. So thanks to all those that are that are doing that. Well said, Mike. Absolutely. Well said. That I, let's close it with there. That's good. Have, everyone, you, I hope, have, hope everyone has a great holiday season, and see you back in 2022. And that's a wrap. Thanks to all of you who've been listening to Transit Unplugged this year. And Paul and I would like to thank our guests this week, Elia Carey, Mike Bismeyer, and Mike Ducart for giving us their opinions on what 2022 has in store for public transport. Now, as always, if you have a question, comment, feedback, or you'd like to be a guest on Transit Unplugged, feel free to email us anytime at info at transitunplugged.com. So until next time, next year, hope everyone has had a happy holiday and ride safe and ride happy.